on today's episode of Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. We'll be talking plenty about the Patriots, an update from training camp as the Patriots get ready for their third Sony Michelle trade, Michelle going to the LA Rams, so a full breakdown of that. Um, and then we'll also get to some uh, notes about the preseason game on the Sunday, Sunday, Giant, Giant, Patriot, and Joanne, Giant, 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 Still having a tough time. The bullpen is having a lot of trouble getting guys out. Red Sox uh, come back last night, losing in the tenth. So we'll talk about the game last night. We will also talk about some other some other notes from around the team in terms of personnel who's been coming up, who's been coming down. We'll talk about that. We'll also take a look at the Red Sox schedule the rest of the season and how it could be a benefit to them as the regular season is coming to a close. We'll also get to around Major League Baseball, take a look at the standings and other news from around the league. We will then get to the NDA. We'll talk about the Celtics. They've extended a few players here uh, with new contracts, so we'll talk about each of those. We'll take a look at the NBA schedule release. We'll take a look at the Celtics schedule, give you guys some games of note, including Kevin Garnett's jersey retirement in March, so we'll talk about that. We will also get to other key games on the NBA schedule, probably give you guys uh, some of the first week games and then give you guys updates on the Christmas Day games, talk about all that. We'll also get to some news and notes from around the NBA, then we will get to the NHL, plenty of stuff to get to here, uh, to Garask making a couple of comments on a radio show yesterday, so we'll get into that, um, take a look at uh he might be able to uh, return sooner than expected, so we'll get to that. I will also get to taking a look at the Bruins' preseason schedule, and also we'll take a look at some news and notes from around the NHL. And then finally, we'll get to the WNBA. We'll talk a little bit about the Revolution. MLS All-Star Game was last night, so we'll talk a little bit about that. So that's, uh, let's, let's go. Let's do it. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the program. It is Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. We're back. I'm back after a week off. Went to uh, up to summer camp in New Hampshire uh, with Camp Arrowhead. It was a great time. Had a lot of fun. Uh, you know, totally free of uh, internet and Wi-Fi and all that. So uh, obviously, was not able to do an episode last week. But we're back. Um, a lot has happened. Really excited to get into. Uh, today's episode, plenty of Patriots as the season just keeps getting closer and closer. Um, so we'll get a lot of Patriots stuff in, a lot of socks in today. 
there's a decent amount of Celtics, some Bruins, um, really a lot of stuff to, to get to today. Um, so before we get into all of it, as always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and on Facebook, and you can listen on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Um, so let's let's just get right into it. Um, it's been a very you know interesting last you know two weeks since um, we did did our last show. A lot has happened with the Patriots. Um, you know, an exhibition win last Thursday against the Eagles that was you know not close in, in any way. The Patriots really dominated in that game. You know, both quarterbacks were really really strong. The running game did really well, so, you know, a good performance in that game. And, you know, really, again, a lot like that first game, there's really not a lot to point to and, you know, get concerned about. That, you know, a lot of things are working the way that I think the Patriots designed them to. I mean, obviously, not everything is perfect, and that's why you play these games. You know, you test out certain things you give guys certain opportunities in certain situations you know it's an opportunity to you know allow certain guys to get you know reps in to see see what they can do and possibly you know give them more playing time so it's been a lot of positives for the Patriots I think for the training camp in the preseason you know I know that there's been a lot of you know things floating around over the last couple weeks that have some people worried you know whether it's the quarterback situation and kind of what's going on there, you know, injury situations or the fact that we've not heard anything about Stefan Gilmore. So, you know, I think the play on the field, though, has been good. You know, I really think that there are very few things that you've looked at in these two preseason games that makes you think, okay, they're going to have a lot of work to do. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the Patriots look like on Sunday as they prepare um, or as they play their last uh, preseason game. And I think most likely you're going to see this game be a dress rehearsal um, of a real game. So, you know, you'll probably see starters in a lot more than you would have maybe in the first two games. Um, and so I think, you know, we'll obviously get into the game preview as, you know, things to look for later um, later on in our, in our NFL segment. Um but I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, what the what the offense will look like, you know, who's going to get those first team reps. And that kind of brings us to uh, the first topic of today's podcast, talking about Mac Jones and, you know, the tremendous day he had yesterday um, as the Patriots started their joint practices with the Giants. Uh, they will also they also are practicing today, um, you know, as the time that I'm recording. I don't know how um, today is gone or has went. Um or if it's still going on, that's what I meant to say. So um, just based on what we saw yesterday, what you know, we heard from the various Patriot reporters is that Mac Jones had a very strong day yesterday. You know, 35, 35 of 40, you know, in terms of the passing attempts, completed 18 or 19 in a row, I think it was. And, you know, had a couple instances where he uh, just really exuded that confidence, um, you know, some of this stuff I can't really repeat on a podcast, but um, if you were paying attention and you, you know, were paying attention to Twitter yesterday, Mac Jones uh, had some things to say for uh, members of the Giants and the Patriots. So, you know, it's good. It's good to see him playing with that confidence because I think that's what you want to see. You want to see a young quarterback, you know, showing you that confidence, not being overconfident, but 
you know, being confident in his ability and, you know, being someone that's not shy to, you know, step right in and do a great job, which he did yesterday. And, you know, it seems like he's maybe catching his stride in camp, you know, and unfortunately, noticeably absent has been Cam Newton this whole week. Um, So there was some issue going on with the fact that he went to, you know, an outside place for an appointment or treatment or whatever it was. Um, But since he's not vaccinated, he wasn't able to, you know, come back to the facility and practice right away, which, you know, is kind of a, you know, I don't want to make this a whole thing about, you know, vaccinations. I mean, you should get vaccinated, but, you know, it just seems like kind of a something just kind of stupid, you know, that it's like, so I don't really know the full details of the situation as, you know, many of us probably don't know, but it just seems to me that, okay, if Cam Newton knew that he was unvaccinated, you know, why would he go to an outside place for an appointment, you know, knowing that he would have to quarantine or sit out for five days or, you know, whatever it is, it just seems kind of strange to me. Um, But, you know, that's really all I'm going to say about that. It's just kind of unfortunate that this has to happen, that, you know, Cam sat out for a couple days and, you know, Mac is doing pretty well. So, you know, I think that it's, it's definitely making a difference, I think, in terms of, you know, what that quarterback decision is going to be. I mean, I don't anticipate that the Patriots are in a position that they're going to announce a starter today or tomorrow or, you know, even after the preseason game, you know, I think that um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if Cam's absence, you know, leads to Mac winning the starting job because maybe he's passed him. Um, so I think it's going to be very curious to see um, who starts the game on Sunday, you know, who plays the majority of the game, who, you know, attempts the most passes, because as we've seen in the first two games, you know, Cam Newton has come out and started, but Mac Jones has played, you know, more of the majority of games in in the or more of the majority of the two preseason games. I uh, was 13 of 19 in the last game against the Eagles for 146 yards. Now that's a pretty good game. You know, to be curious to see, you know, just how much time both of those guys get, because you know, if this is a dress rehearsal and the Patriots still are going in with Cam Newton. As the starter, you probably would expect that he plays the entire first half, you know, or maybe more. You know, it's going to be very telling to see who's, you know, the first quarterback out of, you know, in that first series and, you know, what it seems to look like. So, you know, not un- I'm unclear about whether Cam Newton was practicing today. Um, you know, I think that he was eligible to be back today. So, you know, I, I guess we'll see. Um, But again, very curious to see what happens um, on Sunday um, with this quarterback situation. But, you know, it's, I honestly think the Patriots are in pretty good hands. You know, I think that based on what you've seen and heard from Mac Jones, it's really been very positive. And a lot of guys on the team have had a lot of positive things to say about him. So, you know, I think that it's, it's, it's a good sign, you know, that you're seeing him kind of be more confident and, you know, be ready to be an NFL starter, you know, whenever that's going to be. But I'll be very curious as, you know, everyone is curious about whether Cam's absence, you know, open the door for Mac Jones. Does this mean that he's won the job? I don't think so. 
you know, I still think that there's going to be, there's still going to be more time that a decision might be made the other way. So I think, you know, it, it's, it's going to be interesting, but I think at the end of the day, my personal opinion is I don't care who the quarterback is, you know, it's whatever quarterback the team feels gives them the best chance to win. And that's really all that matters to me. You know, it's, I don't really have a personal preference. You know, I think that both Mac and Cam have their strengths and have their weaknesses. Um, but I think, again, it's whatever decision makes, whatever decision gives you the best chance to win. And I think at the end of the day, Bill Belichick is going to make that decision and the Patriots roll with it. And, you know, they'll stick with that decision, you know, unless something happens that they have to go back to the, the, the second or the backup. So, um, some other Patriot news out the other day. Uh, Sonny Michelle has been traded to the the Rams for two draft picks. Um, unclear about what the... Um, there, there's something in the league policy about exchanging conditional compensation picks. So I think that at the moment, it's a sixth round pick next year fourth round pick the year after. I think there's a possibility that one of these picks maybe becomes a fourth round pick. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but bigger part of the story, Patriots trading Sonny Michelle to the Rams. Um, obviously the Rams very thin in terms of running backs. You know, they had uh, Cam Akers tear his Achilles a couple months ago um, in, I think, off-season workouts, I'm pretty sure. Um, and then they've also had two other running backs that have gone down with injuries. So you know, from the Rams' perspective, it made sense. You know, I also think the Patriots are a team that had a lot of guys in that backfield. Um, and I think you have just – I think you just have too many guys. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, the Patriots did decline his fifth-year option this this offseason. So – you know, he was set to become a free agent and most likely wasn't going to return. So, you know, if that's the case, it might make sense to deal him, see if he can get some picks out of it. Um, but I think the Patriots are putting a lot of trust in Damian Harris that, you know, he's going to kind of be that number one guy. They're also showing a ton of confidence in Ramondre Stevenson too. Um, and I think, you know, if we even think of a third running back who, you know, benefits from this, J.J. Taylor probably does as well. You know, this probably means that, you know, he might be able to make the roster and maybe be part of that backfield, or does he get used in a special teams um, capacity, you know, in terms of returning kicks. Uh, Brandon Bolden is also another running back that they have, and, you know, the Patriots could have wanted to keep him. So I think it's kind of just, you had a crowded backfield, you wanted to make a move, and I think, you know, it's unfortunate that, Sony Michelle seems to be kind of the 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 odd man out, um, but I think it's you know makes a lot of sense for the Rams. You know they really needed um, a, a running back, and I think the Patriots were a team that had kind of an embarrassment of riches at the running back position. You know, and we don't even talk about someone like James White. You know, who's going to be a big part of their offense. So it's like you think about. All the guys I mentioned, you know, you have three guys right there in Harris, White, and Stevenson that probably are going to be big parts of the offense. 
and then you even throw in someone like Taylor, who might be someone that could be used, you know, sparingly. Um, so I think, you know, talking about Sony Michelle and you know what he did for the Patriots, obviously did very well his rookie year. You know, it ended up being a pick that really helped the Patriots win that Super Bowl that year. Um, so you know, it's a bit of a kind of a bittersweet moment because it also seemed like. Uh, Sony Michelle was having a good camp and having a strong preseason. So, you know, I think it's, I think it comes down to just have the Patriots having too many running backs. Um, but also the fact that Michelle was set to become a free agent and most likely was not going to re-sign with the team. So, you know, in that respect, you would want to trade and get a couple picks you know, granted, they're not great picks. You know, they're not second-round picks. They're not third-round picks. You know, they're not picks that are like, whoa, it's really going to be huge. Could the Patriots have traded him at the draft? Yeah, possibly. Um, but I think that get a couple picks out of it, and I think that, you know, also I think the emergence of Stevenson also helped this decision too because I think it, it would be a different story if, you know, Stevenson comes in, doesn't get a lot of touches in the preseason games, and it's just kind of okay. You know, I think he's made a bigger impact than I think we thought. So I think that that also has a lot to do with this trade. Um, you know, some people thinking that, oh, you know, why couldn't you have traded him at the draft and gotten potentially a better draft pick? You know, because teams tend to be more desperate at the draft. And I think could they have done it? Sure. But I also think that they didn't know that they were going to you know, end up with a guy like Stevenson. And they definitely didn't know that he was going to, you know, perform at the level he's performed. So, you know, I think there's a lot of different elements. You know, I think definitely I'm appreciative of what Sony did in his rookie year, you know, is a big part of winning those championships, um, especially with the postseason run that he had. Um, you know, yeah, a lot of people yesterday had a lot of, you know, things to say about how the Patriots can't draft and, you know, they can't get guys signed to second contracts and this and that, you know, but it's just naturally how things go in this town that, you know, revisionist history just is something that, you know, everyone subscribes to and, oh, you know, they could have had Nick Chubb. Oh, they could have had this guy. They could have had this guy, you know, Sony Michelle helped them win a championship. How many of those guys would have done the exact same thing? I don't know. You know, it's just a whole hypotheticals that, I don't know, people in this town just love doing for some reason. Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I really don't want to get into a whole conversation, but um, it's just too bad that that's what it comes to instead of being like, okay, Sonny Michelle did a good job here, had a decent run, had some injuries that held him down a little bit, but, you know, that we can't appreciate things. We have to immediately go to the, oh, well, you could have had this guy, so... You know, it's just uh, a little frustrating that that continues to happen. So, obviously you mentioned Patriots-Giants on Sunday most likely will be a dress rehearsal type of game. You know, it remains to be seen how much the starters are going to play. Um, and obviously, it's a pretty it's going to be pretty interesting in terms of the quarterback position. Um, I'm very curious to see from the Giants' perspective, uh, do we see Saquon Barkley at all? Um, in this game, do we see him in joint practices today? I'm not sure. Um, but I think this 
Giants offense is going to be an interesting test for the Patriots defense. You know, I think I'm very curious to see, you know, who gets in majority of the snaps. You know, who do we see at cornerback? J.C. Jackson has been having a really solid camp in preseason. Um, You know, I think the Patriots are really looking for someone else in that group to kind of make an impact. Um, And I think offensively, I'm most curious to see, you know, what the game looks like to the Patriots continue to kind of do that, you know, passing underneath and short passes? Do they kind of open up the playbook a little bit? Do they try to let Mac Jones, Cam Newton throw the ball deep? You know, I, I would like to see that, um, you know, see what, what Nelson Aguilar can do. Um, you know, get Johnny Smith the ball a little bit more. Um, I think that, you know, there are plenty of things to watch for um, in this game. You know, I think this game will be most similar to uh, the regular season opener uh, when they play the Dolphins in uh, about about a week and a half or two weeks or so. Um, so six o'clock. This game is a six o'clock start on Sunday um, in uh, at Giants Stadium. So Patriots will be on the road. They'll have their uh, both joint practices, one yesterday, one today. So um, you know, I think it's. So far, been a solid camp, solid preseason. You know, I think there's, again, not anything that you're, that I'm really particularly worried about. You know, to be very curious to see, you know, which quarterback gets the majority of the snaps, you know, who starts the game. You know, are the Patriots ready to make a decision on the number one quarterback? I don't think so, but I think at the same time, you probably want to make that decision sooner rather than later so it doesn't become you know, a story. And, you know, we all know how Bill Belichick is not like uh, things that couldn't distract from the team. So I'd be very curious to see if the Patriots do, you know, announce the starter at some point. you got to think that they do. Um, but be curious to see if Cam's absence this week has any bearing on it. What happens in the preseason game? You know, does Cam come back and have a really good game? Does Mac Jones have a poor game? You know, it'd be interesting to see what happens on Sunday, so you can tune in for that. I believe that this will be on Channel 4 in the Patriots uh, preseason network at 6. I think the game is also on NFL Network, so you can check that out then as well. So moving on to kind of the rest of the league with the NFL, um, sounds like Teddy Bridgewater will be the starting quarterback in Denver, beating out Drew Locke this this uh, training camp in preseason. Um, Trevor Lawrence was also officially announced as the Jags' number one quarterback. I'm not really sure any of us were surprised by that. Um, but he wins the starting job, it sounds like. Um, and then you have a couple of guys kind of curious to see what they can do. You know, Trey Lance and, and Justin Fields see what they can do in their first or in their final preseason games. You know, what happens with the Saints quarterback situation with. Uh, Taysom Hill or uh, James Winston, you know, so that's going to be interesting. I think definitely also keep your eye on any surprise cuts that happen, you know, with the final preseason games going on this weekend, you know, are there any big time players that get cut? Um, also, I think it's worth watching uh, Stephon Gilmore. Does he sign a contract at some point? Um, because you got to think that that is going to happen sooner or later, or the Patriots might cut him loose. I'm not really sure, you know, what to expect in that situation. 
Um, the Browns and the Falcons are playing on Sunday night football, well, preseason Sunday night football at 8 o'clock, and I think that that's the final preseason game um, of the season. And then we'll get ready Thursday, September 9th, I believe, is the opener of the Bucks against the uh, Cowboys. We'll probably have a big like NFL preview for you guys next week. Really looking forward to that. So um, any other NFL questions, feel free to uh, DM me on Twitter. Send me a, a Facebook message, whatever you want to do. If you follow me on Instagram, you can also uh, shoot me a DM if you have any thoughts or any questions. Um, so let's uh, let's move on. We'll talk a bit about the Red Sox. I know that they're not the most exciting team to talk about right now with uh, just how things have been going over the last couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, while I was away, the Red Sox uh, swept at the hands of the Yankees, and uh, like I said countless times during the season, the Yankees are going to get hot, and lo and behold, they're uh, hotter than they've been in a very long time. They've won 11 straight games. They've actually bypassed the Red Sox for uh, second place, and it's uh, you know kind of going the reverse of what happened earlier in the season. But yeah, the Yankees uh, seemingly just out of nowhere have uh, really pulled it together and just have played incredible baseball really since uh, the trade deadline. So, you know, looking at the standings, and we'll take a look at them closer um, in a little bit, the Red Sox are seven and a half games out of first, which just kind of seems unbelievable, you know, from maybe a month and a half ago where they were leading the division and looking like they were going to have no problems. So um, things have gotten a lot more interesting for this team, uh, which is, you know, not good. You know, they're having a, a pitching staff that has come back down to earth. You know, you have a bullpen that is really, really struggling to hold leads. Um, you know, Matt Barnes has had a really tough time over the last couple of weeks. Um, Hansel Robles uh, pitched last night and had a very poor outing. Uh, the Red Sox actually were able to get the, get the game tied in the ninth inning last night. Kyle Schwarber with his first home run as a Red Sox or as a Red Sox, um, they tie the game, and then Robles gives up uh, five runs in the 10th inning. Red Sox lose 9-6. to six. Um, And this was a day after the Red Sox won 11-9 to nine and had the bullpen make the game a lot closer than it needed to be. Um, so, you know, it's just uh, there's no consistency with this team. Uh, this, this team is not won, you know, more than four games in a row in – month and a half, you know, they did have that three-game sweep against the Orioles, and we thought, you know, oh, okay, you know, they're they're back they're back on track, but then they lose three out of four, um, all three to the Yankees, or four out of five, excuse me, lose three to the Yankees, and then one game to Texas. Um, so it's, you know, it's, there's really not a lot positive to say. You know, it seems like things are just getting very worse very quickly. You know, the Red Sox are still, I think, relatively in good position um, in terms of being a playoff team. You know, take a look at the wild card standings in a moment, but they kind of just need to figure it out a little bit. You know, I think uh, it starts and ends with the pitching, and that's kind of what, you know, we've said all year, that the starting pitching has done a good job of keeping them in games, but then, you know, when they don't, you know, you need to have an offense that picks you up. You need to have a bullpen that you know, shuts things down, and we're really not seeing anything positive. 
you know, it's kind of just crazy how quickly things have changed. You know, I figured that the Yankees were going to get hot at some point. I didn't see this coming. You know, 11 straight wins, you know, catapulting to second in the division. Um, But I think it's, you know, it's a long season. You're going to go through tough stretches. And, you know, I think the Red Sox just need to recognize that, yeah, there's not a lot of season left, but there's still a lot of time that you can, you know, rebound and put things back together. Um, And they're still honestly in solid position. You know, third place in the division is not great, but, you know, they're in fairly decent ground in the wild card. In the wild card, we'll take a look at that um, in a little bit. But, you know, for the most part, the the offense seems to be, you know, doing about the same. I mean, there might be certain guys that are doing better or worse. Um, You know, Hunter Renfro really has been one of the best stories on this team this season. Uh, Just hit his 25th home run the other night is uh, second on the team in home runs, just behind Devers. Um, You've had Xander Bogarts, who honestly has been pretty decent kind of the whole way. Um, But it just seems like, you know, you're not getting the consistent runners in scoring position hitting last night. You know, the Red Sox did a great job coming back last night, but then you get Verdugo strike out with the winning run at third. So it's just... It seems like nothing nothing is easy for this team right now. Um, you know, you look at their offense, and it's, you know, guys will go through their ebbs and flows, but really it's the pitching staff that's had a hard time, you know, staying in games and, you know, pitching effective enough. You know, Nate Evaldi has had a really tough, a really tough second half. You know, you've had to move a couple guys to the bullpen. Um, you know, you've brought in Tanner Houck, who... I think has pitched fairly well. Um, and then Chris Sale's been back, and he's been pretty solid. You know, he's not been unbelievable, but he's pitched five innings in, in both his starts and has looked, you know, pretty decent. He does pitch tonight as the Red Sox close out their three-game set against the Twins. But, you know, it's really important that the Red Sox try to get on a bit of a hot streak, you know, before September comes. And, you know, before the season is over. You know, the Red Sox have played 128 games right now. You just have 34 games left. So, you know, they're kind of running out of time to make it interesting in the division. You know, I think that at this point it might be too far out of the question for them to rebound and win the division. Um, But, you know, I think in terms of where the playoffs are, they're still in relatively good position. Um, And we'll talk about their schedule in a little bit, which might help them. Um, the Red Sox have did send down Jared Durant, Jaron Duran. Um, I want to say like maybe a couple days ago. Uh, Travis Shaw was also added to the team uh, while I was away in New Hampshire. I was not aware that he was on the team, um, and so when he comes up to bat with the bases loaded in uh, the ninth inning against the Rangers in that makeup game, I was like. Well, I didn't know Travis Shaw was back on the Red Sox. And lo and behold, it's a walk-off grand slam. So uh, that was kind of crazy. That was a shock to me. But the Red Sox did uh, pick him up off of waivers um, uh, maybe about a week or so ago, maybe a little bit longer. But, um, you know, he's been on the team. He's been on the roster. It seems like, um, it seems like, 
The Red Sox are going to be trying Schwarber at first base. First base at some point. It might even be as soon as tonight. Um, so, uh, just saw breaking news into the show. The Rams, or uh, excuse me, the Ravens and the Patriots are um, in the midst of making a trade. It seems like the Patriots are uh, trading a fifth round pick to the Rams or for the Ravens. I did it again. The Patriots are sending a fifth round pick to the Ravens uh, for Sean Wade. You might remember him. He played cornerback for Ohio State the last couple of years. So he's a rookie. Patriots are bringing him in. So I don't really want to read into it, but it might tell you a little bit about uh, the Stephon Gilmore situation. But uh, Patriots sending a fifth rounder for, for Sean Wade. So we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, but back to the Red Sox. Um, Red Sox may be trying Schwarber at first base in the near future. Uh, possibly as soon as tonight, so we'll see how that goes. Red Sox close out their three-game set with the Twins tonight. Um, And speaking of the schedule, we'll take a quick look at what the Red Sox are looking at. We might as well just do the rest of the season, or maybe the next week. Uh, Red Sox will finish up their three-game set against Minnesota. Then they will have a road trip. They'll play three games against Cleveland this weekend, and then three game or four games against Tampa Bay, which uh, is going to be fairly pivotal. Uh, for this team, you know, if they want to try to get back into the um, division chase, the Red Sox do not play the Yankees until the um, last weekend in September, 24th, 25th, 26th at Fenway. So um, speaking of their schedule, the Red Sox do have a fairly easy last month of the season. You know, you look at uh, Minnesota, the last game today, you have six games against Cleveland, you have uh, six games against Baltimore. You have a couple games against the Mets, and you have a couple games against the Washington Nationals in the last weekend of the season. So, you know, if there's any time to get hot, it really is now. Uh, Chris Sale goes tonight against the Twins at 7-10, and the Red Sox will play in Cleveland this weekend. And so maybe they can try to turn it around. Taking a look at... The standings in terms of the Red Sox, they're currently a game and a half up on the A's for the second wild card. They're currently seven and a half back of the division. The Rays lead the division. Uh, so the Yankees and the Red Sox are atop the division or atop the wild card standings. Oakland is a game and a half back of the Red Sox. Seattle is two and a half, and Toronto is four and a half. So the Red Sox, you know, not in. Horrible shape. You know, the, the the road record has been pretty poor. Uh, you know, the Red Sox still have a solid record at home. So, you know, hopefully with some home games, the Red Sox can, you know, take advantage of it a little bit. But, you know, again, it's something that, you know, you're kind of running out of time to get on a hot streak and really kind of solidify your playoff positioning. It is interesting that on the um, ESPN website, when you look at the MLB standings, the Red Sox have a 76% chance of making the playoffs. So, you know, things still appear to be pretty good. You know, have they really spiraled out of control? Yes, absolutely, with them being a first-place team for most of the season. But, you know, where they are in the playoff standings, it's really not that bad. You know, it's not as dire as some people think it is, although the performance of the team is kind of a little bit dire and a little bit bad. So... You know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens with this team 
Um, so looking at the standings, Tampa Bay and the Yankees obviously have been red hot. Uh, the Rays lead the division by four and a half games over the Yankees. They've won four straight and eight out of their last ten. And the Yankees have not lost a game in their last 11 as they have uh, you know, shot to second in the American League East past the Red Sox. Um, and then in the Central, nothing has changed there. The White Sox still with a nine-game lead over Cleveland. Um, and then in the West, the Astros have opened up a pretty good lead on the A's and the Mariners. So they're in first place by five games over Oakland, six over Seattle in the National League. Uh, the Mets have been in a nosedive. You know, it's <laughs> things have gone... Uh, Things went very well at the beginning for uh, myself and Eric Bellier's teams, and it is the opposite now, you know, with the Red Sox struggling as much as they are, and the Mets being four games under five hundred. The Braves have taken a hold of first place in the East. They have a five-game lead over the Phillies, who are in second, and then the Mets in third. Um, in the Central, the Brewers have a nine-and-a-half-game lead on the Cincinnati Reds, so they're in pretty good shape. And then you have the Giants two and a half games up on the Dodgers. And then the Padres are in third place. Taking a look at the National League wild card. Uh, still have the Dodgers atop that second wild card. And then the Reds are currently in that second wild card spot. The Padres are just a game back. The Cardinals are three and a half. And the Phillies are five back. So just some other MLB notes. Uh, the Orioles snapped their 19-game losing streak with a win last night. Um, the Dodgers with a 16-inning win against the Padres last night. Um, so things are not looking too great for the Padres. They are currently now behind um, in the wildcard race in the National League, so that will be interesting. Um, the White Sox are activating Carlos Rodon from the injured list. Um, and then the schedule has come out for the Major League postseason October 5th and October 6th will be the start dates for the playoffs. The American League wildcard game is on the 5th, National League on the 6th. These are all in October. And then the World Series will start October 26th. And Game 7 would be scheduled for November 3rd, which would be the latest uh, Game 7 of the World Series since 2009. So um, that will be interesting to see. The Division Series will start October 7th and October 8th. And then the Championship Series will start October 15th and October 16th. Um, So regular season is over October 3rd. And if there are any tiebreaker games that need to happen, they would happen the next day. So with that being said, let's move along, talk about the Celtics. Uh, There's not a whole lot of news in terms of, you know, well, no, there is is a pretty good amount of news. I don't know why I said that. Um, The Celtics have uh, signed or have secured extensions for uh, Josh Richardson, Robert Williams, and Marcus Smart. Um, I'm not sure why the um, money and year or the money and years has not been confirmed on Marcus Smart's extension. Um, I'm pretty sure that Robert Williams was four years for $54 million. Um, quick breakdown of that is like an average of 13 and a half per season. 
I don't know if it's exactly that all four seasons. Uh, there might it might be you know give and take a little bit, or give or take thirteen point five million a season. Uh, the Celtics also giving Josh Richardson a one year extension. So currently, Richardson was still under contract from the Mavericks. Had a year left on or this this season is his last season on that deal. So the Celtics keeping him on for at least another season past this one. Um, so I think for both of these guys, um, it's, it's certainly interesting. You know, I think that it's different circumstances for both guys. Um, you know, Robert Williams obviously has been a tremendous talent and has been someone that's been really fun to watch. you know, really has elite athleticism. You know, when you watch him on defense, you know, just really, honestly, out-competing a lot of people on some defensive possessions. You know, has the ability to get really high in his jumps, has the ability to, you know, really kind of has this, like, uh, spring-loaded step that he's able to get there quickly, you know, and jump up more than once. Um, but I think he's really got that elite defensive ability to block shots and has that ability to be a lob threat literally every time every time he's on the floor. So, you know, I think that obviously there can still be more room for his development, and, you know, the Celtics clearly believe in him as someone that can be a big-time rim protector and can be a full-time, you know, NBA starter and possibly even more, possibly maybe an all-star or something like that. So, obviously, you know, injuries have been a big issue for him throughout his NBA career, and I think the Celtics are really hoping that he can stay healthy and kind of be a big-time difference maker, you know, for that lineup. So, I really like the extension. You know, I think it makes sense. You want to keep someone like Robert Williams on the team, um, but I think it's really just hoping that he can stay healthy and hopefully he can continue to develop the way that we've been watching him develop. It's been a lot of fun. You know, he is a really fun guy to watch. So, you know, good stuff for him. Josh Richardson, I think, is interesting. You know, I really didn't think that the Celtics were going to be interested in keeping him, you know, more than a season, you know, trying to, um, you know, keep as much or not, you know, commit to as much money the next summer. Um, But, you know, clearly they must believe in him, and I think, you know, at, when he's on and when he's playing the way that he can, you know, he's a very solid and capable guy who can score a little bit and is a really strong defender. So, you know, I think it's really the Celtics are probably envisioning him coming off the bench, I would think, you know, and throwing in a lineup of Schroeder, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Robert Williams, you know, and bringing someone like Richardson off the bench who can shoot a little bit can score, can be someone who can create his own offense, which I think the Celtics missed at, at points last year when they had to, you know, play without Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum at certain points, you know, with the bench on the floor. So I think that it's it's a smart move to keep him past this season, you know, just to see what he can do. Um, you know, it also does give the Celtics the ability to, you know, trade him at some point if it's not working out, you know, because it's only, it's only $12 million. You know, it's really not anything that's, you know, an exorbitant contract. 
Marcus Smart's extension, unclear about how much money it's for. I'm pretty sure it's a four-year extension. Um, but I think that made sense. It was going to get done at some point. You know, I think the Celtics see Marcus as a really a a big part of their team and a big part of their success and really kind of the, the heart and soul of the team defensively. So, you know, I liked it. I think that it's it makes sense for them to bring him in, you know, I th- or bring him back. Um, you know, I really didn't think that there was a possibility that they were going to trade him, you know, based on the things that, you know, Coach Udoka said in his, you know, press conference saying that he's, you know, a big part of this team, you know, a, a foundational piece or what exactly is his comments were. So, you know, I think that, yeah, you want to keep your core or the core players, I guess, around for as long as you can. Um, and I just think that, you know, you're going to see a much more motivated Celtics team this year. I think that you're going to see a lot more defensive intensity and, you know, yeah, if there are some concerns about, you know, certain guys scoring off the bench and whether they can come in and be ready to be NBA players. Sure. I think that that's a fair thing to be a little bit concerned about, but the Celtics also have a good group of, of veteran players that I think have been around are going to be hungry and kind of understand what it takes to compete at the NBA level on a, on a regular basis. You know, with guys like Richardson, guys like Al Horford, guys like Cantor, um, and Chris Dunn, you know, guys who have been around a little bit, you know, and you're keeping some of the young guys that you believe in. Richard Neesmith, Romeo Langford, who I think could be in line for a really good season this year. Um, but I think, yeah, you're going to see a much better defensive team, you know, that defensive backcourt. You think about some of the names that they can put out there. Uh, it's pretty good. You know, if you can start a team with Dennis Schroeder, and Marcus Smart, you know, guarding you, that's not going to be a fun time. So the Celtics really kind of making or putting an emphasis on on defense, uh, which I like to see. So the only other bit of Celtics news is the NBA schedule was released uh, over the, I think, I think it was last weekend. I think it was like the day before I came back. Um, so taking a look at the Celtics in terms of their schedule, they will play four preseason games starting October 4th. They will play Orlando twice. They will play Toronto, and they will play Miami. I think that they will travel to Orlando and Miami and then have home games against Orlando and Toronto. Uh, the Celtics' regular season will open up against the New York Knicks, who have a couple of former Celtics on their roster, Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a fun, pretty fun season opener. Uh, So the Celtics will open the season October 20th at Madison Square Garden against the Knicks. The Celtics' home opener will be that that next Friday against the Toronto Raptors at 7.30. And just some other games to keep an eye on. The Celtics play their first game against the Bucks, the defending champs, on November 12th. That will be a game the Bucks will visit the Celtics. Uh, the Celtics also welcoming the Lakers to TD Garden on November 19th. So the Lakers come to the Garden pretty early this year. And then the Celtics' first home game against the Brooklyn Nets is, yes, the night before Thanksgiving, which is pretty pretty ironic when you consider some of the comments that uh, Kyrie made about Thanksgiving a couple years ago. Um, so Celtics will play Brooklyn uh, their first matchup against each other November 24th. Uh, yes, the Celtics will 
uh, finish their season slate against the Lakers on Tuesday, December 7th. Celtics will play the Lakers as part of a West Coast trip that will take them to Utah, Portland, uh, Lakers, Clippers, and then Phoenix. And the Celtics will also be playing on Christmas Day. They will be traveling to Milwaukee to play the Bucks. That is the 2.30 game. We'll take a look at the Christmas schedule um, in a little bit. Uh, the Celtics will uh, play the Suns on uh, an afternoon game at 1 o'clock on New Year's Eve. The Celtics have quite a bit of uh, national TV games on ESPN and TNT. Not exactly sure what the total number is on that, but it's quite a few. Uh, the Celtics will close out the season with three road games in Chicago, Milwaukee, and then Memphis. Celtics' final home game is Sunday, April 3rd against the Wizards. So, uh, also the other big news, the Celtics will be retiring Kevin Garnett's number five uh, later in the season in March. The Celtics will play the Dallas Mavericks in a 3.30 game on the ABC, so the Celtics will uh, most likely after the game be retiring Kevin's jersey, which obviously will be a very a, a date to circle your your calendar and be glued to the TV because that's going to be a really fun ceremony. So uh, kudos to Kevin. You know, early congratulations for him as well as he'll be inducted as he has been inducted into the hall. Oh, it's Paul Pierce that's getting inducted um, in September. Yeah, I confused the two of them. Um, so obviously it'll be an exciting time. Uh, for Paul in a couple weeks as he gets inducted, as I believe Kevin Garnett is actually introducing him, which is pretty cool, um, as Garnett was inducted last year. Um, but yeah, obviously the number retirement will be a lot of fun. Celtics will play uh, Luka and the Dallas Mavericks, coached by Jason Kidd, so that will be an interesting uh, afternoon in Boston. So taking a look at the NBA League schedule, I think that Season opens, I believe, with two games, Brooklyn and Milwaukee, so a rematch of that um, Eastern Conference semifinal series. That will be the opening game on Tuesday night, both of these games on TNT. Then the second game is the Warriors against the Lakers um, at Staples Center, and then the Celtics obviously play the Knicks the next night. So I think I'll just go through the Christmas Day games. You know, I think... uh, that is probably what is most interesting to people. Um, Celtics obviously playing in the 2:30 game. There are five games, including that game. So the first game is Atlanta at New York, Madison Square Garden. Obviously, the Knicks and the Hawks played a pretty contentious first-round series. Uh, so Trey Young will return to the Garden. Um, so that's the 12 o'clock game, Celtics and Bucks at 2:30. At five o'clock, the Warriors will play in Phoenix. And then at 8 o'clock, probably the biggest game of the season, uh, the Nets against the Lakers at 8 o'clock. And then at 10.30, Dallas will play against Utah. Um, So that will be definitely a fun day of basketball on December 25th. I feel really stupid. I should know where the All-Star game is, but obviously that will be some point in February of 2022. Not sure where it's going to be. I know it's not in Boston. Uh, hopefully it's it's in Boston at some point. Um, so yeah, you know, I think you want to take a look at the rest of the NBA schedule. You can feel free to do that on 
any other site. Those are kind of just the key games for the Celtics and then the Christmas Day games. Um, there are some notes from around the league. There are a couple uh, coaching things that went on. The Bucks give Mike Budenholzer a three-year extension, I believe, after leading the team to the championship this past July. Um, Jared Dudley is joining the Dallas Mavericks coaching staff. Um, so that that's kind of interesting. I didn't know that he was interested in getting into coaching, so he will join Jason Kidd's staff um, in Dallas. Nick Van Exel is returning to the Atlanta Hawks next season as an assistant coach. Um, so yeah, you know, no further notes really on Ben Simmons. There's been a lot of chatter about him being moved. You know, still really nothing there as we're um, about a month or so away from training camp, which is pretty hard to believe. Um, you know, kind of just seems like the NBA season just ended. But hopefully the NBA will be able to get back to normal, play a full 82-game schedule, you know, not have to, you know, postpone games. Um, you know, it'll be interesting. You know, I think the NFL has made it pretty clear that they're not going to, you know, tolerate players, you know, not being vaccinated. I mean, that's basically what what you should get from, you know, all of this, that they're like, all right, you know, if you want to be unvaccinated, that's up to you. But, you know, if you are the cause of an outbreak, then, you know, your team is going to potentially forfeit games. You know, you're going to lose money. So I don't know. Uh, it'd be curious to see, you know, what the NBA does in terms of that, what the NHL does. Um you know, I don't think that leagues can come out and say that, like, you have to be vaccinated. Like, I'm not sure if they're allowed to do that. But, you know, basically, the NFL is like, well, you really should. You know, basically, I don't want to say incentivizing getting it, but more like de-incentivizing not getting it. That, like, okay, if you're not going to get it and there becomes a problem, you know, you're going to potentially lose you know, a lot of money, you're going to potentially, you know, cost your team a game, you know, with, with any forfeits that happen. So, uh, you know, nothing has been announced yet with the NBA and the NHL, but I would assume that there's going to be some type of guidelines that come across, uh, you know, something similar to the NFL, not saying that they're going to do exactly what they did, but, you know, it will be um, interesting to see. So as we move on, we'll talk a bit about the Bruins. Tuka Rask was on I believe he was on the Greg Hill show the other day on WEI and made it seem like his, you know, surgery went well and he expects to be back on the ice in a short period of time. So, you know, it seemed like he'd probably be out until January, February, but now it seems like he might be able to see the ice, you know, in a professional capacity around Christmas, that he might be able to be back, you know, in January and, you know, making a comment that he essentially doesn't care how much money he makes, you know, saying that he'd be willing to be a cheap goalie. You know, the Bruins probably could give him like 950,000, something like that. You know, he made some funny comment that he'd be willing to play for, for beer. So, you know, it's good to hear from him. Good to hear that, you know, he still has the want and the desire to come back and, you know, being pretty clear that it's only going to be in Boston. You know, I think that it's, um, good to see. It's good to see that, or good to hear that he seems to have, you know, recovered fairly well and might be able to get back on the ice at some point, you know, in the near future to kind of just start getting used to it. So, um, you know, 
I'll just be honest, you know, I don't really think that we deserve him, to be perfectly honest. Like, there's a good portion of the fan base that really just, honestly, for, for no reason, just really dumps on him. And it's just like, for him to have the ability to just be like, yeah, like, I'll, I'll come back, you know, I'm not going to pay attention to people that, that say nonsense and things like that. So, you know, I think that it's, it's, it's only a good thing, you know, that he's willing to come back. And I think that, you know, yes, it's going to make things maybe a little bit, a little bit different when he comes back. But I think that, you know, he's definitely someone that at the top of his game gives you a big advantage. Um, And I think that it'll be interesting to see, you know, what the Bruins do. You know, I think probably what's going to happen is, you know, you're going to see Swayman and Linus Olmark, you know, start the season, then Rask will come back, we'll send Swayman down, and we'll probably see, you know, Olmark and Rask the rest of the season. Um, and so I think, you know, making more sense of the, of the Dan Vladar trade, the Bruins had essentially traded him because he um, is not waivers exempt. I think Jeremy Swayman is exempt from waivers, so they can send him, you know, back down to Providence, you know, without him having to go through waivers. It was different for Vladar, who I guess could not pass through waiver or had to pass through waivers. And obviously, you consider that he was a pretty solid, you know, backup this past season in the games that he played, um, you know, would almost definitely get picked up off of waivers. So, you know, I think the Bruins made the right decision there, got a pick out of it. Um, but I'm just happy to hear that, you know, Tuca seems to be in good spirits and seems to be, you know, really willing to come back and play for play for next to no money, which you know, shouldn't really surprise anyone. You know, obviously knew he wasn't going to make $7 million, but um, it's at least good to hear from him and good to hear that, you know, he does intend to come back and really just wants to be just here in Boston and try to help this team, you know, any any way that he can. Um, so other bit of Bruins news, Bruins did release their preseason schedule not too long ago. Obviously, we know the season will start October 16th against the Dallas Stars. Um, at the Garden, so the Bruins will play. They will play six exhibition games, I believe. Yeah, they'll play six, um, starting on September 26th. They will play the Capitals. They will play the Rangers, and they will play the Flyers. So those will be the three teams that they will play. Um, then, so the Bruins will open the preseason slate with games in Washington and then in New York the 26th and the 28th of 28th of September then they'll be home against the Flyers on September 30th and then home against the Rangers on October 2nd then in Philly on October 4th and then the preseason finale is at home against Washington on October 6th and then the Bruins will have 10 days before their uh, preseason opener so obviously uh, we are probably only a couple weeks away from training camp opening so you know, it's going to be uh, kind of a, a quick turnaround, you know. Well, maybe not a quick turnaround. I think it feels quick, you know, because I just went to the development camp um, at the beginning of the August. And it feel, if, at the beginning of August, it feels like that was yesterday. But then obviously, that's not all the Bruins players. That's really just prospects. And maybe a couple of those guys uh, play in the um, – or get – see any ice time or, you know, training camp time or whatever you want to call that. Um, but yeah, you know, I think 
training camp is coming up pretty quickly in a couple weeks. Be interesting to see, you know, who stands out. Obviously, we'll, you know, update you guys more on that as it gets closer. Um, but I think that it will definitely be worthy to to watch these uh, those preseason games that I mentioned, and you know, get down to training camp if you can, or you know, pay attention to what people are saying on on Twitter um, about you know who might be surprising. You know, I think that I'll probably probably be putting out um, an article on my website in the next couple of weeks, um, taking a stab at what the uh, projected lineup will look like on October 16th against the Stars. Um, as I'm, you know, interested to see, you know, what the team looks like. You know, I think that it's very clear by some of the signings that they've made that they are uh, really trying to take, you know, one last one last attempt. Um, at bringing a cup home, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what uh, what transpires there. So, um, other NHL news: uh, Derek Broussard signing a one-year deal with the Flyers. The Sabers' number one pick, Owen Power, will return to the NCAA. I think there are two other teammates of his that were drafted in the top ten. They'll also go to Michigan, and they'll also be returning uh, to school. So we won't be seeing them in the NHL this season. Um, of the other, um, obviously, it's it, it's impossible for me to um, not talk about Jimmy Hayes. Um, you know, we the hockey community lost a uh, incredible person uh, a couple of days ago. Um, I think a lot of us in like the Bruins community and just kind of the Boston hockey community, you know, lost um, lost a legend. Um, you know, Jimmy was someone that you know lived. Live the dream, you know, being from Boston, playing at BC, playing for the Bruins, you know, um, really did it all. And it just um, really has hit a lot of us really hard. You know, it's um, just honestly tragic. You know, Jimmy um, was 31 years old, uh, played seven years um, in the NHL, but, um, you know, really made a tremendous mark on the hockey community um, in, in Boston and kind of just the greater Boston area. And, you know, yeah, I remember watching him on the on, on those BC teams, you know, when they did so well. And, you know, just all the things that people have said about him is that he just was a tremendous guy and a tremendous teammate. And um, one of the things that I thought was so, you know, was so neat was um, something that, that, that Frank Petrano had said a couple of days ago um, and talked about how, how great of a teammate Jimmy was and how much, you know, he kind of helped him, you know, be a better teammate and be a better person. And that's, you know, what kind of the common theme has been that we've heard about people, you know, saying these things about Jimmy, you know, Pat Maroon said, um, you know, that he, that Jimmy took him under his wing on his time with his time with, with the devils, you know, and just seemed like Jimmy was someone that just, was such a selfless person and just gave back and just was such a, a delight and a great person to be around. Um, so it's just, it's been really hard because this is something that is just so sudden and it just makes you, I think, take a step back and realize like just how important life is and how much, you know, you want to tell people and let people know that they're, that they are important to you because, you know, you, you never know what's going to happen. Um, so just really definitely caught me off guard. This is not something that, you know, anyone expected, but, um, just have to say that, you know, 
Jimmy was really one of a kind. Um, so I just thoughts and thoughts and prayers to him and his family and to his brother Kevin, um, obviously who's, who's in the league right now, um, playing for the Flyers. So um, really, just was just been a tough couple of days I think for for a lot of us. So um, you know, really thinking of uh, of, of Jimmy's family um, and send, sending our thoughts there. So. Um, I think it is worth noting that there were, uh, before we started recording, and actually as I was starting recording, there were a couple of uh, contracts that were announced. Andrei Shvechnikov signing a, I believe, a seven-year deal or eight-year deal with the Hurricanes. It was kind of, I think, rumored that he was going to sign a big deal, so he signs for eight years, $7.75 million per season, so that's obviously a big chunk of change, but Shvechnikov, obviously, an impressive young player at 21. So signing his next contract. Uh, Sean Couturier also signing a massive deal with the Flyers. I think that it was reported to be 7 points. So actually the, same, actually the exact same cap hit as Shvechnikov. I don't know if it's the exact same contract. It actually might be. Um, funny enough, I think that actually it is the same exact contract. Um, eight years, 7.75. So a uh, big deal there for Couturier and Shvechnikov. Um, both, you know, pretty pretty decent players. You know, Couturier, 28, you know, in his prime, a really, really good hockey player. Uh, Shvechnikov obviously is going to be a big young player or a big-time young player. It's going to be someone to watch um, in years to come. And, you know, someone that I think is going to, you know, it, it's going to benefit him to be able to be seen on, you know, ESPN and TNT, you know, now talking about the, you know, broadcast deals. And so, you know, this is one of the things I think I said right right from the jump that, you know, it's going to be such a big-time it's going to be so big for guys like Shvechnikov and guys, you know, who are young and, you know, really can use that exposure and, you know, have not just diehard hockey fans know who he is, but have, you know, casual fans know who he is and, you know, love and appreciate the game the way that a lot of us do as, you know, hardcore hockey fans. So I think that he's a guy that definitely, if you're not a big time hockey fan, you want to remember his name because you'll be seeing him a lot on ESPN uh, over the next couple of years and TNT as well. So I think that's probably probably it for, for, for our hockey notes. Um, we will get to get back into the WNBA. It's been uh, a minute since we've talked about it just because the Olympics have come um, and there's been, you know, tons of other stuff going on, but um, we will get back to talking about it. Uh, the Seattle Storm visited the White House uh, the other day. Uh, Elena Del Don obviously has returned, scored 16 points in her return. Um, and so taking a look at the standings, um, you have Connecticut that's been uh, really, really solid the whole season there, actually um, have clinched a playoff berth at this point. Um, Actually, not clear on how many games are 
are played in this season, but Connecticut has clinched um, a playoff spot. They're 18 and six, six games ahead of Chicago for that first place spot. And then you have Seattle and Vegas that have clinched playoff berths. Seattle won the Commissioner's Cup not too long ago. Um, so Seattle and Las Vegas will be in the playoffs. Actually, not sure who, how many playoff team, how many teams get in, but we'll get that get that figured out at some point. But you know, these three teams: Las Vegas, Seattle, Connecticut, really kind of the class of the WNBA. All three of those teams um, have been very strong over the last year or so. Um, so, honestly, really not sure how many games they play. I feel like I feel really stupid for not knowing that. But we have a couple games. Um, on the schedule tonight, Vegas will play Atlanta at 7 and Los Angeles against Connecticut at 7, and then Dallas and Washington also at 7. Um, so we'll move on. We'll talk about uh, some Major League Soccer. Major League Soccer and uh, the Mexican League played in the All-Star game last night, the MLS All-Stars against the um, Mexican League All-Stars. It was a very interesting game. It was pretty close. Went to a penalty shootout. The MLS All-Stars win. Matt Turner, he made a couple of saves in the shootout. So uh, he was had his fingerprints all over that game last night. Was the named MVP. Um, he was also named to Team USA, the men's team, their uh, qualifying team. He was also named to that team. Jeez, that was a lot. Um, as the men's team starts the qualifiers for their for the World Cup in 2022. I think that they start that next weekend. Um, so Matt Turner named to that team. Um, so I believe that they play El Salvador, Canada, and I think Honduras. I think that those are their th- first three games for the for the qualifiers for the World Cup that happen. I think that it's like November or December 2022. Um, I'm pretty sure. So... You know, great recognition for Matt Turner. He really is having a great summer. You know, did really, really well in the Gold Cup. Has obviously been excellent for the Revs. Um, And then, you know, big-time performance last night. So, um, yeah, really, all things are coming up revolution. You know, it's uh, been a tremendous season, and a lot of their guys are, you know, playing really, really well. So, you know, Turner, obviously, the big performance last night. Um, Also, kind of a bit of bittersweet news, uh, Tejon Buchanan will be playing overseas, uh, I think, at, at the conclusion of this MLS season. He will be going to play for a club over in Belgium. So um, really tremendous kudos to him for, you know, following his dream and going to play, going to play overseas. You know, I think that that's always a, an awesome thing to see for, you know, guys like that who, you know, really work hard and work hard for their opportunity. And, He's been unbelievable for the Revs this season. So, you know, hopefully the Revolution can get um, some hardware, you know, before he before he leaves and takes off. Um, so, you know, it's definitely an exciting time for him. You know, obviously it, it, it sucks as a Revolution fan to, you know, see him go. But um, the Revolution will get, I think, some transfer money. I think that's how it works in, in soccer. I'm not totally 100% sure on how that works. Uh, someone can correct me. My buddy John Veneziano is probably listening to this and laughing, laughing, laughing at me because I sound probably really stupid. Um, but obviously, Tejon's been a really uh, a fun person, a fun player to watch this season. Matt Turner's been excellent, and the Revolution just 
you know, keep on winning. You know, that's kind of been, um, there's really not a whole lot to break down with them. They just keep winning games and, you know, look very solid without Carlos Eel. You know, everyone is um, performing well. Obviously, Buchanan's been red hot. Adam Buxa has been playing really well. Um, you know, you had a really solid start to finish win um, against Cincinnati last weekend. The Revolution will play on Saturday night um, against NYCFC. They are on the road, but the Revolution have built a 15-point lead at the top of the Eastern Conference standings with just 12 games to go. So things are looking pretty good for the Revolution right now. Um, You know, being a team that just kind of keeps on winning and keeps staying hot, they've won eight of their last nine games. and yeah, it's been a tremendous sight to see with, with this team. They will play NYC FC, who has 31 points, 9 wins, 4 draws, and 6 losses. So this probably will be a decent test for the Revolution as they've kind of just gone red hot. You know, they've only lost 3 games all season um, and just 4 draws compared to 15 wins. So, um, you know, things just continue to be really good for the Revs. You know, Gustavo Bow is scoring at a great rate. You know, I think he's either tied for the league lead or leads the league in goals. Uh, Buchanan has six goals. Buxa's up to 10 goals. Um, and, you know, doing this really without Carlos Hill, which is amazing. You know, Carlos Hill's probably one of the players being considered for um, MLS MVP at the end of the season. And, you know, look how the Revolution are playing. Um, it's pretty amazing. So, um you know, it's been an excellent summer for them. Hopefully they can, you know, keep it going and, you know, end the season with some hardware. It's been uh, been a long time. You know, they've never been able to win win a, win a win the championship. You know, they've come very close a couple times, but, you know, hopefully this year is, is, is the year for them. So, Revolution and NYCFC tomorrow night at, or uh, Saturday night um, at 7.30. So that um, that, pro- that probably does it for me this week. Um, great to get back and, and talk to you guys after being away. Um, definitely it's something that I miss. You know, it was good to be away, good to be kind of away from everything, but it is, uh, it is good to be back and, you know, get back to doing what, what it is I do best. So um, thanks for, for tuning in, everyone, this week. You can... Uh, obviously, always follow our, our Twitter page and our Facebook page. Um, you can listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So, everyone, uh, I would normally say go out and enjoy the weather, but uh, there are, you know, heat warnings because it's uh, just way too hot. So, um, everyone, enjoy your weekend the next few days, you know, safely. You know, don't go outside. I, I would just recommend not going outside. <laughs> Um, just, it is, it is so hot around here. So, um, everyone have a good weekend and we will, uh, we'll talk to you next week.